The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3. Thanks to everybody that's hanging out. Smash a subscribe. Smash the like and come and join us in the chat. Already lots of conversation going as we are planning to get some of these SEC Media Days takeaways. Bud is in Nashville at the event and we got, <laughs> got some bones to pick with the process here. As we'll be having, uh, you know, the preseason All SEC team. You know, how do you fill out your ballot for the order, projected order of finish? Uh, lots to get to a little bit later on. But, bud, we got some big recruiting news, and, and it's right there, not in Nashville, but with the Tennessee Volunteers as they landed a commitment from five-star wide receiver Mike Matthews. The huge addition for that 2024 class that Josh Heupel is continuing to work on, trying to build on the success that the Vols have been having on the field. When we think about the offense and when we think about Nico, I mean, uh, any good wide receiver could probably be convinced to come and jump on board. What do we know uh, about Mike Matthews in terms of him as a prospect and what the Vols are getting? All right, Mike Matthews rundown in 60 seconds so we can clip it for the shorts. Tennessee is getting a stud Mike Matthews, right? Elite-level athlete, really good basketball player, a guy who can win one-on-one matchups, does have nice top-end speed. I think you could play him on the outside. I think you could play him in the slot. Extremely exciting if you're a Vols fan that you get this guy. You know Tennessee's going to get him in those one-on-one matchups. Nico just keeps getting more weapons to throw to. And we talk about Tennessee trying to close the gap with Georgia. They're not there yet, but this is kind of how it starts. Like, you keep chipping away. You keep chipping away, Chip. And we'll see what happens. But I, I really think Mikey Matthews is a great, great get for them. I don't know why I just called him Mikey. Apologies. All right. Listen, I got I got to slow the bud bot down. I know we're trying to create right. more like the social media, but let's, let's 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 have some human conversation here as well. All right. So does this is is this going to be something that you expect to see more of? Or was there anything that uniquely allowed Tennessee to be able to have uh, a leg up in the recruitment of Matthews? Um, you know, from personal relationships or sort of how the process unfolded? I, I think the personal relationships certainly matter here. Uh, also, the, the style of offense that Tennessee runs, I, I think, is attractive uh, to you know guys who want to get the ball a lot. And you know, this is a guy who's been very productive at, the high, at a high level uh, of, of high school football there. And I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, like Tennessee has a lot of buzz about them right now. I, I do expect them to keep getting better. And, and you know, I never thought of Josh Heupel as a good recruiter when he was at UCF. He gets to Tennessee, and all of a sudden he can recruit, which is pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, like 
can they do this on the defensive side of the ball is probably the the next question. Like, can they level up defense to where they're getting enough stops opposite of the offense? Because you know the offense is going to score. Yeah, we don't. Also, watch this kid's hoop, like hoops highlights. Like, legitimately, he's got like a full length hoops huddle. It's it's pretty sick. Is he going to play? Ba- is there a chance he could play basketball? I don't. I don't think he's tall enough to play. Like like Keon Coleman, you know, is like six four and a half. Right. Right. It, you can kind of get away with that. Tennessee basketball is pretty good, right? Typically, so I I don't I haven't read anything he's going to play basketball there. Maybe he can, but uh, I his 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 high school stuff is fun. It, it shows a guy who's an explosive athlete can really get up and and you know play above the rim, even though he's not crazy tall. Nico Iamaleva to Mike Matthews for a touchdown in the dreams yeah. of Tennessee fans everywhere. Um, a couple other news items before we really dig into the full SEC media days takeaways, including you know how we would sort out the, the preseason ballot one through seven, but in that process right now at SEC media days. And it's at, actually over the Pac-12. Pac-12 media days will be getting started on Friday in Las Vegas. And we won't have Deion Sanders, um, Disappointing, right? I mean, I don't think that's like a huge talking point. We wish that Dion would be there just to be able to, you know, get him uh, weighing in on this. He is going to be undergoing continued surgery as he is working on the circulation issues. You know, he's got eight toes, just like uh, Ralphie, as he has mentioned many times. But uh, you, you know about that, right? I, 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 I read that he had lost a toe. I didn't know he lost two. Oh, he has Dude, eight. To- yeah, he has eight toes. And when he was meeting Prayers up for Dion, like I really hope he gets this gets this fixed. Um, you know, Dude. when he was meeting the uh, Ralphie, the live mascot for Colorado, he he used it as a bonding moment. It was the Colorado <laughs> social media team captured it. He he like almost got choked up. He's like, he's got eight toes. I've got eight toes too. And so, uh, you know, Dion will not be there. It will be Charles Kelly, you know, defensive coordinator, former Alabama assistant, who will be going and representing the Buffs uh, at Media Days. But a big question from around college sports was whether or, or not this Pac-12 media rights deal, which I've I've seen a timeline that dates this back to December, where it was like, it's coming soon. Oh, no, it's coming soon. We expect it in the near future. It's not going to be announced. The If you thought that Pac-12 media rights deal was go- going to be announced as part of the Pac-12 Media Days, it will not be announced according to multiple sources. I've got uh, ESPN's Heather Dinich pulled up right here. Uh, a source to ESPN says, quote, our 10 schools have been ridiculously patient and, quote, that patience is about to pay off. Uh, it's likely to include a mix of streaming and linear options. And according to Heather's report, is expected to be on par with the ACC and the Big 12. So it should be announced in the, quote, near future. According to the report, it will be on par with the Big 12 and the ACC. Mix of streaming linear options. What what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? And what is the big takeaway for the Pac-12 for whatever this is going to end up looking like uh, for the conference? I I guess, uh, Chip, I I was waiting for you to read the rest of that quote, and I, I thought you were going to end it instead of by saying that patience is about to pay off. I thought you were going to say that patience is running thin, right? So I'm kind of in like, believe it when I see it mode. I, I don't know who they're going to announce the deal with. Uh, what, watch it be CBS, right? Like we we actually don't know that they, they don't they don't let us in on stuff like this. Uh, but I I don't know who it'll be with. I man, I, I mean, so if it's a streaming thing, like, like is is Hulu back in? Is that is Apple back in? I I don't know. Like the the stuff I had read in like sports business journal and elsewhere was that those companies are kind of more interested in like marquee matchups only, but not, not the volume of games, I guess. So dude, I, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm going to be at pack 12. So I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll ask some questions and see what we can figure out. Um, if, if anything, but I'm, I really don't have answers on this one. What, what do you, what do you think? Like, like what, what is a streaming sure. slash linear hybrid look like to you? Um, ES, uh, Pac-12 after dark on, on ESPN. I think that that is something sure. that ESPN would be interested in. And I'm, I'm not going to um, do anything other than read tea leaves that if we're getting this kind of information from ESPN, that the source might be very close to the negotiations. Um, I, that one makes sense. It's a spot that 
ESPN has held down for a long time, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff, uh, Washington against USC. You know, like some of these really, really good games occupying that spot. I expect that, I expect ESPN will be a part of it. The streaming and linear, um, you mentioned Hulu, which I believe has a Disney relationship there, at least okay. in terms of there being some connection. However, um, Apple does seem you know very interested to continue to expand what their um, sports offerings are beyond just their Major League Baseball package, the MLS, uh, and a lot more is, is potentially going to be there. Being a part of the Pac-12, I, I think, is something that is, is going to be likely. And then, you know, the big question mark for me is, are, are we going to see Fox jump in on this because Fox has had that relationship with the Pac-12 for a really long time. ESPN and Fox are together with the Big 12 deal. How does that impact the inventory and how you're trying to fill out your schedule? Um, the thing that was the most uh, you know, surprising to me is how are you without USC and UCLA and you know the, the matchups, the premier matchups that you're going to lose from that, how are you going to be commanding uh, – a television rights deal that is going to be on par with the ACC and the big 12. Now, granted they're nowhere close to the big 10 and the SEC, but my expectations were that we'd be looking at without a doubt, like the fifth of five, if they were able to get something done piecemeal and be able to have the total per school payout be right there with those other two conferences, then that's actually like, that is patience paying off. Like that is George Klyovkov. All right. Congratulations. Everyone's kind of been dogging you, you know, saying this league's about to fall apart. That would be a sign that the Pac-12, at least for now, uh, seems to be in a stable position. Oh, other expectation, short term. I don't think we're going to see a 12-year deal. I would expect this would be something like closer to an eight-year deal. Do you think, and this is just me off the top of my head, do you think that they will go back to what they were doing for USC a while ago, which is giving them unequal revenue sharing with an Oregon you know, Washington, like two programs that actually think that they can win a national title, especially Oregon, right? Like Oregon wants to compete on that sort of next level. Do you think that they, that they dangle that carrot or do you think that it's probably like, Hey, if you get your big, big 10 invite, just go. Uh, If not here, equal share. I think it'll be equal share because I don't think that, um, well, Oregon and Washington are the most valuable brands, according to the reports. The this was like right out of the report said the biggest flight risk is Colorado, um, and the rest of the four corner schools. I imagine would be a part of that. The Big 12's eyes on expansion seem more aggressive than where the Big Ten is at right now. So I would I would imagine that if you are trying to you know keep this all together, then you're probably more concerned about Colorado, Arizona, Arizona state and Utah, at least in, you're not going to break and you're not going to break them off a bigger share than Oregon and Washington. So I imagine it would be equal shares and um, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to look at. There was also some, I mean, we think we'll stop talking about conference realignment at some point, but you know, this is just kind of where we're People at. Click it. People love it. Jim, Jim Delaney um, had a quote to Nicole Auerbach of the athletic where he was pointing out like you there is a too big scenario like from the from logistics and maybe even like antitrust anti-competitive standpoints where like if you get too large as a big 10 or as an sec then you know for all the other reasons that we've talked about those leagues not wanting to expand beyond where they are that things could get really really complicated and that was an interesting note for me in terms of how everyone's trying to race to the consolidation of the big two, where I'm like, okay, well, as long as we're in our current college, you know, sports environment, it probably means that, you know, the big 10 not ready to take on those headaches. Like forget trying to figure out how to schedule a 20 team conference. Um, if you might be dealing with legal challenges as well, that, that could get a little bit tricky and messy and probably not worth it, honestly, to just, I mean, it's another vote, to try to get things done. It's another set of opinions that you're going to have to get on the same page. I I think that I, I will buy the general idea that Jim Delaney offered where it's like, like if, if you make these conferences too big, it's, it's not going to end up working well because you're not going to be able to get everybody together and you might face legal challenges. Yeah, and, and 
you, you have sort of the, the elephant in the room here, which is an, an employee status and, and at what level, you know, do you really want to play college sports, right? Like if we go to that, does Cal, uh, do Cal and Stanford, although I was talking to a personnel guy and he's like, I think they got some admissions requirement changes at Cal and Stanford because like the level of player they're offering academically looks a little bit lower than what they used to, which is kind of good for those schools if you're going to acquire talent. Like you can't recruit from such a small pool. Uh, but like, do they really want to be employers, right? And, and does the do, do all the schools in the Pac-12, you know, want to have that employer model? Like, does Northwestern, you know, go, going forward, who who knows? Um, if we can transition into this NIL bill, oh yeah, uh, the one that was uh, just the draft yeah. got to Yahoo Sports today. Um, Richard Blumenthal, Cory Booker, and uh, another senator as well. It's a bipartisan introduced bill. Um, what what stands out to you about this that might give you more confidence that there's actually momentum going here in terms of federal legislation on name, image, and likeness? Yeah, so I generally I think on the show we've thought, according to all the experts who we, we brought on, eventually the courts w- will rule that these guys are are employees. Like that's more of an eventuality than than a, a possibility. Uh, now, as far as getting a bill passed, zero percent chance that the existing bills that had been proposed we're going to get passed. Like the Tuberville Mansion thing from everybody that we had talked to was debt was DOA. And so, so were the ones kind of the ones on like really kind of the far sides of the spectrum. We're not going to get the votes. Th- this is different. And this is something that, you know, give credit to Ross Dellinger here. He, in about three months ago in a story, he had buried this, like the last paragraph, he mentioned like, there's some possibility of like a reasonable bipartisan, you know, working here, uh, not with the existing bills, not with existing sponsors. Uh, so, this is kind of interesting. It creates like a national uh, NIL database that's private, but basically that to so the schools and conferences can kind of check on this. It, it makes it a, a, a federal crime to use NIL to induce players uh, for retention or uh, you know commitment. Now it gives you a lifetime scholarship, uh, extended medical, which are something Corey Booker's pushed for. Mm-hmm for a long time. It allows players to declare for the draft and come back within a week if they go undrafted, which is something that we have in baseball and hockey, uh, if I recall, but not in football and, and basketball as of yet. And that would mess with the recruiting calendar, obviously. And importantly, it does not uh, it does not prohibit or does excuse me, it does not declare that players are not employees. Right. Right. So doesn't it's kind of silent as to that issue. I, I call, Matt Brown and I chatted this morning from Extra Points. It does a great job you know, covering all this stuff. And he's like, this this is one that I think actually has a legitimate chance to pass because it, it's harder to go down and say, okay, who's who's definitely voting against this, right? The, the, I mean, not to get political, but it's going to be like kind of the fringe on both sides of the party might vote against it, but every, most everybody else could theoretically vote yes. So I think this is something we actually do need to pay attention to now, whereas before these bills, not so much. So the... If it doesn't not, hold on, it doesn't not declare student athletes, not employ, it, it's not touching anything. So what happens in a, in like, I'm sorry to put our uh, resident cover three attorney on the spot right now, but like, what happens if the courts do rule that a high level college football player based on, you know, the experience that they have in their relationship to the university, that you are an employee. So what happens to, to that number right here? So the, the, the practical impact of this bill is that it would slash NIL payments to students, right? Like, because if it's a federal crime to use it for inducement or recruitment or retention, it's harder to it's launder. It's that NIL is being used. Correct. Right. But like now, if, now if it's actually like a, a, if it's a federal crime and they have an actual agency and, and they're, if they actually enforce it, then you will see a reduction because it's harder to basically launder this money through marketing deals like like is happening right now. Like we all know NIL is just pseudo payroll for the most part, not everything. Now, if these guys become employees, the practical impact of this is 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 lessened because most of the money that schools are trying to get to these guys would come, you know, from the school or from the conference. There is a scenario I think in which yesterday's show, yesterday or Monday, it had to be yesterday. We, we didn't have a show Monday. Excuse me. What we talked about, like if you do go salary cap, then the next important thing would be to figure out how to police school spending outside the salary cap. 
Sure. Right? Like, like when the 49ers got slapped. This would actually, in kind of a weird way, help to enforce that. It's also like incredibly against free market. I, you know, coaches don't have to report their marketing deals. Students don't have to report their marketing deals. You and I don't have to report our marketing deals if we have any. So like, it's really kind of nanny state stuff, which is personally I, I don't like, but um, it's less extreme on both sides than had been proposed. So maybe there's a chance it passes. And I don't know that we actually need it, but. The yeah, I was, was, was going to say, is this causing more problems than it's actually solving? Like, are we having to create more jobs and spend more time trying to like fix things that aren't as like bad as they might have seemed when everybody's crying doomsday to these legislators right. and these lobbyists are just like out there? I mean, I guess if you've got this draft, good job. But like if I if, if the common sense crew is coming through with amendments and like uh, a machete, then we're going to be like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. A federal crime, a, fe- right. a federal crime for me to like try. I've, I've got to worry about um, breaking a federal law when I'm trying to convince this player not to transfer and trying to connect them with somebody with an opportunity for them to be able to better themselves financially like that. But I don't it's see such- you being harmed in those kind of situations. I mean, if if I could just dumb this down, like like thumbs up, thumbs down, like I don't know if I'm in favor of uh, of everything that is included in this bill. I'm definitely not in favor. I mean, it, it, it's the schools trying to cartel this thing, right? And 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 again, keep all the money for themselves. So, yeah, n- not in favor uh, of that at all. But I, I do think because of the bipartisan nature of it, it's something that has a greater chance of getting passed. It's also potentially what could be rendered moot if these guys are employees tomorrow. And then the NIL thing is just not a thing, like not an important thing to regulate. And look, Congress also has, has jurisdiction over agents right now and basically prosecutes nobody with, with, with that, that authority. So there's also the question of enforcement. Like sometimes they just pass stuff. They don't actually enforce it. Is it a deterrent that what you're doing is a violation of federal law? Probably to some extent. And at least initially, because you wouldn't know, whether they would enforce it or not, but, um, interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's, and that, um, that story just started to derail. No, no, no. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, just, like, I think that we've got good perspective and hopefully we can offer that for our listeners. Uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time here, but I, from the government, we, I'm here to help. It's, yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, uh, we're going to be at ACC football kickoff next week in Charlotte. Um, and the Northwestern lawsuits have expanded. We've had more former players come out, and now it has included lawsuits and litigation that have Jim Phillips, the athletic director at Northwestern for a decade before he took his position currently as the ACC commissioner, listed as a defendant. Do you? What do you imagine the impact, if any, or like how? How do you read this? If you are, um, let's say, if you're in in Jim Phillips' camp right now. You know, like Jim Phillips has just been named a defendant in the Northwestern lawsuits. And geez, the way that they are lawyering up right now, it looks like this thing is going to get dragged out and be very expensive uh, for the school. And I, I don't know what's as while we sit here in our legal corner, the Cover 3 podcast, what's uh, what, what's your big takeaway from starting to see this continue to expand? This is actually like I, I didn't get to read it because I was reading the NIL stuff this this morning. So I don't have a real strong take on this other than the fact that it. it I've got, weird that if, I've got a backwards take. I've got a backwards take. This is great for just Jim fits. Phillips. This is great for Jim Phillips right now. Bad for Jim, Killip, Jim Phillips' big picture, but you know, what he, you know what happens now? I'm sorry I cannot comment on that due to pending litigation. He's about to sit in front of a room of hundreds of reporters who were sharpening their utensils to get in there and try to start asking Northwestern oh. gotcha questions to the sitting commissioner of the Atlantic Coast Conference and either he's going to say it or it's going to be announced before he takes the microphone. It's going to be like, and because of pending litigation, he cannot speak on anything that happened at Northwestern. Maybe a bad, well, not. yeah, but maybe uh, not good in the big picture, right? As he's going to have to actually go through the legal proceedings. But right now, in this moment, in late July, with everything as hot as it is, it, Jim Phillips now cannot speak. On any of those, you know, it cannot be offered one right. side or another. So I, again, like it's weird for me to say it's a good thing, but that was that was one of my first thoughts when uh, when I realized sort of what was happening here. If this stuff happened 
like the 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 kind of takeaway I continue to have is it's weird only fits got canned, right? If it's really as pervasive as some of the reports say it is, which maybe it was, maybe maybe it was not. I, I'm really not not sure. Um, so I'm sure more will come with this. If if you work for Northwestern, probably get a lawyer. Yeah. If you have it worked for Northwestern in the like last twenty years, I mean, look the. Um, I think the guy that Fitz hired is the firm that uh, that hit Fox over the Dominion stuff. So, like, that's a, a pretty big firm. You know, like yeah. he he's not playing. It's gonna it's uh it's gonna be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Well, coming up on the other side, we turn our attention to the SEC, where the coaches and the players have been rolling through in Nashville. Some of our biggest takeaways and Bud's preseason ballot. Got some issues. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, um, you know, CBS Sports HQs had a lot of uh, great content from some of the coaches rolling through. I've been checking out some of those interviews as well. Uh, the time at the podium, you know, things can get a little bit testy, including... Questions about Georgia's strength of schedule. Now, we have detailed here that the Bulldogs can probably cakewalk all the way to 9-0 or so before things start to get a little bit difficult. Um, as you know, Kirby's sitting there talking about his team and, and looking at the, the schedule that's in place, you know, what's what would have been some let's go sort of we'll hit a couple schools and then uh, open floor here. What would have been some of your big Georgia takeaways, either strength of schedule or otherwise, if there's something else that stands out to you? So with with Georgia, the strength of schedule is the people who are criticizing it are correct. And Kirby Smart's like, come play it. And almost everybody else in the SEC would be like, gladly. Now, in Georgia's defense, two things here. One, they dropped the Oklahoma game. I think Georgia wanted to drop the Oklahoma game, honestly. Like from the, but... I don't have proof of that. Just some some. I was under the impression that the SEC told them to drop it. Yeah, I, I correct. The SEC told told them to drop it, but sometimes your boss tells you to do something and gives you cover to do something you already already wanted to do. Uh, so there is that. The other part of this, though, is that Georgia's strength of schedule is easier than basically all of the other SEC teams, in part because it does not have to play Georgia, right? And if you look at the strength of schedule metrics, if you play Georgia, your thing is going to get jacked way up. The way I look at it is you play one team that's top 10 power rated in Tennessee. And you play, I think, four or five more teams that are power rated somewhere between like 19 and 35. If you're a team that's trying to be a top 25 type team, this is a fairly difficult schedule for you. If you're a national championship caliber team, this is an easy schedule. Right, like you're you're going to run through this if you play to a national championship level at 11 and 0 or 11 and 1 or 12 and 0. Uh, so it's it's only it's only easy from the lens of national championship caliber team. It's kind of not that easy if you're a, a team that's trying to win 10 ball games, you know, or a team trying to you know get in the top 25. It's like Alex. Uh, yeah, a little bit, but I just you know, like there have been years when Ohio State has two game seasons. Like there, sure, yeah. there, like there were Alabama years in 2016 or 2018 where you're just talking about a you know a two game kind of season at least in the regular season. You know, I, I, yeah. I kind of, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, yeah, that's that's 
that's just what happens when you are operating at that caliber that when we look at a schedule and say it's easy, we are saying it's easy for you. So yeah. like I, they're going to be well, huge favorites in all these games. That's why we're saying you got a cakewalk. We still got to go play them. So let's, and we'll easy. judge Georgia based on how they do against this schedule. Like I, I, I covered a team when I, when I was doing team beat stuff in 2013 FSU, right? And their schedule was not super challenging. They had one game against a team that was, I think, second or third in the country at the time in Death Valley, which a bunch of, you know, a bunch of future pros, and they won by 40. And it's like, okay, like they seem to be smoking everybody every week, and other other teams don't kill these teams that, that they're killing. So they're probably pretty good. I, I think it's an overblown issue, but um, I mean, if you're Kirby Smart, I, th- I think you loved that that came up because it lets you not have to talk about some of the other stuff quite as much. Mm, that's true. Um, the and like thanks for bringing up that Florida State and because it's a great way for us to ha- have hand wringing over Georgia when they only win by like thirteen points again. Yeah. Some of these games are just like trash, trash. I mean, overrated clearly, and uh, nothing nothing gets the people going like calling a, an incredible football team overrated. Uh, all right, Nick Saban, he's got a new offensive coordinator in Tommy Reese, new defensive coordinator in Kevin Steele. He's got a quarterback battle that is still not settled. What are some of the Alabama headlines that have uh, – J.C. Latham was in the house. It looked like he dropped a couple good quotes. What, are, what stood out to you about the Crimson Tide? So uh, the Bama players, when we spoke with them, were very much like not ready to concede that everybody's playing to the Georgia standard now or that Georgia is the top program in the SEC which they're the back-to-back defending national champion. Uh, so, in fact, they are the standard right now, uh, and they're favored to win their third in a row for the first time since, like, I think before television, right? So, yeah, uh, th- that was kind of interesting. But, like, what are you expecting to say? Yeah, like, we're not as good as, as Georgia. That Like, they were all top recruits at Bama. You know, like, there's a, a, there's a chance they bounce back and are, are, are just as good, you know, this year. Saban uh, was very high on on the Tommy Reese hire. He you know said he's one of the brightest young minds that he's been around. He also uh, he was like I, I begrudgingly went to Italy, and guess what? Italy's like really nice, man. So <laughs> Saban uh, endorses Florence. Uh, really, really thinks it, Italy is pretty cool. Likes the architecture. Thinks it has great culture. Uh, so and and he's he's he doesn't regret taking the trip. Now he, can I uh, Italy vacation? I don't think this was a shot. And it might have been subconscious. But when Kirby Smart was talking to Josh Pate for CBS Sports HQ, uh, one of Josh's like icebreakers with a lot of the questions was to ask him, like, hey, like, do you take vacation? How was vacation? And Kirby said, um, you know, my wife really wants to leave the country. My wife really wants to go to Italy or something. But I just want to stay in the SEC footprint. Oh, we were recording? Because I was in the room when he said this. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I didn't realize yeah. we were recording it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, I, it just, you know, he he mentioned Italy. And look, I've, I've been to Italy. Italy is amazing. Like, I, I love Florence. I love Tuscany, like the whole area. Um, I look you for... You Venice? No, 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 no. I, I like to go put my flag down and then um, sort of like venture out for day trips instead of trying to do like too much hopping. So like we were in Florence staying on the Altrano down in uh, like San Spirito, like around there. And then we would go uh, like out to Pisa and back. We would go out to Siena and back and sort of, you know, work it like that. Anyway, it just was interesting. Kirby Smart said Italy, you know, right after a much publicized uh, tour. And he's like, you know what? I, I just like to stay around here in the SEC footprint. It's like, damn, is he recruiting right now? Like, is he recruiting right now? <laughs> well, uh, his son plays travel ball. Right. right. So, and, and that was I, the I other thing he mentioned. Do. Like, he wants to be yeah. like a, a sport, a travel ball dad. Like, he wants to see his, you know, see his kids play. So, I or has to at least. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, for, yeah, for sure. Um, that's an inter. I, I, I kind of, I'm glad you put that together. That, that is. She, my wife wants to go to Italy. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to leave the country. You know, I'm more of a down home kind of guy. Um, all right. Let's, uh, Brian Kelly and LSU, ridiculously different expectations from going into last year than going into this year. Many, not some, but many are suggesting that they're actually the pick in the SEC West. We're going to get to your ballot here in just a second. But um, what have you gotten from the LSU contingent uh, here in SEC Media Days? So I was on uh, Moscona's show the other day down there in Baton Rouge, and I think it was yesterday or the day before, and He's like, I, I fully expect them to be picked. 
to, to win the West. I'll, I'll, I'll be surprised if they're not picked to win the West and, and they think they can make like yet another jump, which is always kind of, always kind of scary. If a team makes a jump one year and then you're expecting like another pile on jump the next year, but you think about it, like they played two freshman tackles last year who are now going to grow up a little bit and be sophomores. Mason Smith, who might be the best defensive player in the sec. If he plays to his ceiling, not saying he is yet. He, he blew his ACL in the first game last year. Now he's back, and they expect him to be a big-time impact guy. You know, they have questions in the defensive backfield because they had to rebuild basically the whole damn thing with transfers. They think their linebackers are studs, obviously. They're, they're going to use uh, Harold Perkins all over the field. I asked, I, I asked Matt, I was like, okay, what does this mean? And, and I get more stuff sometimes from talking to other beat writers than, than I do talking to the coaches because sometimes they just give you cliches. Sometimes they give you good stuff. Brian Kelly certainly embraced the expectations there and, and thinks the LSU – like he didn't shy away from it, you know. Like he, he like our our goal is to to go and and beat not only Alabama but but Georgia, right? He was he was feeling himself a little bit. I think after last year's uh, you know win of the West, they seem pretty loaded, man. Like the really good at receiver, um, and a lot of this comes down to the sort of Michigan uh, comparison in a way, right? Can Daniels be a better passer, kind of like McCarthy? You know, like good off play action sort of good and sort of like the not incidentals but like the other stuff like daniels had the highest scramble score i think on sports info solutions in the last 10 years out of any quarterback like he's like off the charts good at scrambling you know, if they have to get in the game or they got to throw the ball to win can they do so because they might have to get in the game like that you make it you may go up against somebody where you just can't run it quite as well um, do you think that they're going to be able to run the ball well? I feel like Brian mentioned that at one point when he was talking. Well, he mentioned the pass defense as being something that was a little bit concerning, and I think he was all. He also discussed like like we've we need to be able to run the ball effectively, like when we need to go and and like get the job done. I think they're going to be a lot better on the offensive line just just with the, the physical maturity. You know, like I, if you watch that opening game, Jared Burst bull rushed Will Campbell very effectively. Like Will Campbell was was not as physically mature as Verse last year. Obviously, he's made a big jump in the offseason just from not being an 18-year-old anymore. Uh, but I think you're going to be more physical up front. I don't think the backs are special, I guess. Like, I, Emery, but, I mean, not dependable so far yeah. uh, in, in, in his career as far as... And isn't it Williams? So. As, I mean, they brought Williams yeah. to media day, so I'm, I've got to assume that he's the starter there or the lead. But is, is he, like, is he a stud? Like, I, I mean, we have to pick four running backs for the SEC team, and I, he wasn't on mine, so... Um, I would, how crazy that we picked four running backs? That's that's a little too much. Well, they're going to release. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We you four do, running backs and four receivers. You should do two running backs, three wide receivers, and one tight end. And then when you fill out your two teams, we've been able to do it. Instead, if you've got all those players, then you're filling out. Shoot, you might have third team preseason all SEC with all those players. Well, they they make you fill out enough to do a a two deep. Uh, or a, a first and second team, right? Uh, then I think they they formed a third team from whoever you know didn't get enough votes to be first and second team. But yeah, the positional allotments are are kind of strange. That's some big. It just means more energy, like the yeah, XL right. triple super size. Yeah, we're, we call like they're still running a four three defense apparently, <laughs> and we're we're running like a a, a two back offense. I guess I, I don't know. Um, before the show started, this this question from Jeff came in, and, and I don't know. I, there might be a reason why I'm bringing it up after talking about LSU. But Jeff says, in a hypothetical worst-case scenario where every Power 5 starting quarterback gets injured, who makes the playoff? I think it's LSU. LSU, yeah, for sure. Um, Georgia. Oh, yeah, because then you're just going from even like as high as everybody is on Carson Beck right now, you're going to a, a capable player in Brock Vandegrift or Gunnar Stockton. Right. Um, and the fact that like you're, you're so loaded around them, um, not Penn State, Texas, honestly, if Malik Murphy is uh, is as good oh, as we think. That's a good one. Uh, Bama. Like, I'm just trying to go for teams here that are not quarterback dependent. Right, like the teams that if, if they lose their quarterback, they are not making the playoffs. Clemson, USC, Florida State, Oregon, Penn State, Michigan. Quarterback Boston. dependent. 
Yeah. Ohio State might actually because because you buy the Devin Brown sort of. Well, I just I buy Ryan Day with quarterbacks. Um, so potential like I the drop off from McCarthy to Michigan's backup I think is bigger than the drop off from McCord to to Devin Brown. Um, Tony in the chat says North Carolina absolutely not. That would be like the opposite. Yeah, they they would. They they they, if, if they lost if they did not have Drake May, would they make a bowl? Man, probably, but like, like he's like a it's two and a half win player. Yeah, over replacement level, I I think. Yeah, I would. Um, I would agree, and and so that means we're talking about an eight and four, nine and three team, and all of a sudden dropping to six and six, seven and five. Notre Dame, obviously, since they lost Buckner as the backup, like if you lose Hartman, done. Um, yeah, am I missing anybody else here? I don't. So we were so. saying the ones that would like, and if every QB one gets injured in the entire country, the, then the teams that you've got to make the playoff are an LSU, a Georgia, a Texas, maybe an Ohio State. That feels right. And I like maybe, how you and maybe a Bama. Maybe a Bama. Yeah. yeah, those are those are probably your squads right there. I, I like that question. Um, That's a great question. Yeah, good good quarterback depth. Speaking of quarterback depth, we've referenced it a couple times. Oh, Jordan says Tennessee, which actually that could be true. Oh, if, Nico. If, if, if Nico's the truth, yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. Thank you, Jordan. Go Vols. Coming up on the other side, how would you fill out your SEC preseason ballot, the all-conference team, one through seven in each of the divisions? How is Bud filling his out? Get into that and more next Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, Bud Elliott checking in from Nashville, the site of the SEC Media Days. And as a credentialed member of the media, you have a ballot for the preseason All-SEC teams as well as the SEC Media projected order of finish. So what would have been some of the, let's, let's start with the All-Conference team. What have been some of the, the difficulties in trying to fill this thing out? Well, uh, starting with the format, right? Uh, you, you can only pick four receivers. You have to pick four running backs as well, which I kind of had a hard time getting four running backs that I think are, are stand out above the pack. Uh, four receivers is much tougher. There's probably about seven guys who I, I wanted to pick from. Uh, but the, the biggest challenge and the most ridiculous challenge started with the first position you pick, which is quarterback. And I was like, okay, I think there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the league. I don't know if there's a lot of great proven quarterbacks in the league. If they were really great, I think they would probably would have turned pro, you know? And I think they're just sort of like lifetime achievement award, quality football player accumulator types. Uh, and I'm not, I don't mean it as a dig, but like if the guys who are returning are really that special, I, I, I don't see it. Like, are we sure the SEC is that great th- this year if those are your best quarterbacks? Because in recent years, we've had studs. Honestly, like, you know, Bryce, AR, AR went, went, went first round. Will, Will Levis went, what, second round? And, and on and on. Like, we've had a lot of big-time guys drafted out of this. So I tried to type in the name Carson Beck because I've heard Carson Beck looks really good. And I think Georgia's going to be awesome. And I think their passing game will probably open up, especially because of some of the receivers they got. Mm-hmm. And you know what? No, no results found. I was like, damn. So... I emailed Chuck Dunlap, uh, who is the SEC's communication uh, guy, and he got back to me because I said, hey, I think the search function isn't working. Uh, try to search for Carson Beck, uh, also Tyler Buckner, the other Bama quarterbacks, uh, no results returned. Any idea here? And he said, 
any names submitted by the schools are nominated and searchable which is like an extremely pr answer and well done by chuck there like that's kind of you know what you can say so uh yeah i guess you can only vote for guys who the school put on the ballot which is annoying oh no 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 that that's part of the game because that's part of the game where um the schools get to have some influence in terms of the preseason yeah. buzz and the preseason hype. And if Georgia, which is trying to entertain a quarterback battle at the beginning of fall camp and Alabama, which has a legitimate quarterback battle going into fall camp, if they put one of their players, one of those quarterbacks in the system, they are declaring a winner in the battle. And so they get to, by, by putting none of them in, they get to avoid allowing the media to be able to weigh in on these quarterback battles that are supposed to be open. The other thing that happens here, because I've, it, it's, it is a system, um, just to let people know, like it is, it is a software or whatever that they use. You only see the names, you search them, you drag them, you drop them. Um, I have seen the position get tweaked a little bit yes. where, players are or are not inserted for certain positions or kick returner or punt returner. And I, I think that that is the, these are the schools thumbing their nose at the the process of it. Um, and so I, I, I smile, I smile when I hear that because it's like, Oh hell yeah. Kirby, Kirby's not going to let the, the um, sec media come out and like ruin his quarterback competition by putting Carson, but even if he just ends up as a second teamer, then I, that's that that's definitely um, it, the schools exerting some power over the process of preseason. Uh, all all SEC teams. Okay, so how about this one? Uh, I couldn't find Dominic Lovett, who was a first team All SEC guy last year at Missouri. He transfers to Georgia. Like, and I maybe I missed him. Uh, was Lad McConkey on there? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, bud. Lad McConkey's wide receiver. And so one. was. Uh, so, so was. Um, uh, so is it uh, Aaron Smith? Hmm. Interesting. The uh, Very interesting. Okay. so who are you going to end up putting as your first team quarterback? I went with Devin Leary. I, I think when wow. healthy, he yeah, like there's a lot of buzz that he's healthy and, and, and going to be good. I went him and I think Daniels. I just I don't love any of these guys. You know, like may, maybe they're studs. Maybe one of them will turn out to be a stud, but. Will Rogers like, is going to go down as like one of the most prolific quarterbacks in SEC history. He is. He's an accumulator. The efficiency numbers aren't great. Like he just he threw a ton of passes. Also, we have no idea what that offense will look like. Now, this kind of gets us into another another area where we can probably take this if you want. But like there are some divisions being broken down when it comes to standings too. You know, in the West, it's do you go Bama or LSU? Can you really ignore AM's upside? Is AM the only team that could conceivably finish first through seventh in a division? I think <laughs> probably yes. And then in the East, I don't think anybody, maybe one guy is picking, picking somebody over Georgia. The bigger question sort of is Tennessee a clear two or are they just the top of that second tier, which is sort of two to six? I think most people still have Vandy seven. I think Vandy could finish six, actually, potentially with, with, with some outcomes occurring uh it, the, the 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 sort of breakdown and the tiered uh opinion within the divisions is, is interesting so um for you and your ballot are you doing lsu or bama at the top i actually like i know we had the short of me saying like what like, are we sure bama should be favored as i went through my list i found myself liking a lot of alabama players and so I'm a little bit less concerned about quarterback now than I was. And that game this year with LSU was in Tuscaloosa. Mm -hmm. So, and the Tennessee game is too. Correct. It's so both I, of, I both with, of the losses are at home yeah. at Bryant Denny Stadium. The revenge tour, the the potential for the revenge tour is 100 percent there. Like I, I went with with Alabama. Um, I mean, you have you have some quality veteran defensive players like like, like a Braswell and a Tim Smith. And then you have some freaks like Turner and Jaheim oh, Otis, who I took. Yeah, like, um, and then linebacker. I think they're just they're just okay. The secondary feels feels pretty loaded to me. Uh, with with Kool Aid being 
kind of a I think Kool Aid will be a consensus first team All All SEC guy uh, in in the preseason. So they do go to A and M, obviously, which uh, they they lost the last time they were down there. But I I went Bama, but it, I think it's close. Like there is a real chance that that this thing's done and that, that quarterback's a problem. I was on Kublik's show with with uh, with, with McElroy, uh, Colin Cube. No, that's the same guy. Uh, uh, Mac-, Mac and Cube. Or, sorry, guys. What, what, not 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 his podcast, his radio show. And man, McElroy was talking up Simpson for Bama's quarterback. I was like, okay, there's like legitimate three quarterback conversation here. And I don't. I, I'm having a hard time figuring out if, if it's just smoke or not. Okay, and that was actually a question. Preston, who checks out the show with us a lot, he jumped in about an hour before we got started. He said, who do you think will ultimately win the starting QB role? My, I'm I'm going with Milrow as my, like if I'm placing my my bets. Um, and that is with the, that is with the idea that Nick Saban takes almost a 2016, whatever, like, or like Jacob Coker. Well, Jacob Coker had Derrick Henry, so they just ran the ball 75 times per game, especially near the end, because he was not going to let Coker lose it. Um, I do think Alabama's going to be better at running the ball this year than they were last year. Um, yeah. I think that there's a... I had a way- Tyler Booker, by the way, on my All-SEC team. Oh, I like I that. Guard, like I, a little inside info here. I had a chance to see him work out at IMG. He played for IMG, right? Kid, kids from Jersey originally. He was a five-star guard for us, you know, guard slash tackle. He was working out on a side field during Future 50, the, the event we have for all the top juniors in the country. Tyler Booker, y'all, looks like a beast. Uh, I, I I think he's going to be like a real – I'm confident that we did a good job with his recruiting grade. All right. Okay. Yeah. So very, anyway, very happy there. So put a button on yeah, that. Don't my run the answer, ball well. My answer is Milrow because Buckner has a history of throwing interceptions. And I think Nick Saban knows the team is too damn good everywhere else to put somebody out there who's going to lose you the game. And in the little bit that we've seen from Milrow, he at least looks trustworthy to not go lose you the game. So that would be my my bet is that he at least starts as the quarterback. McElroy, the, the quote that kind of stuck with me said, I'm not worried about quarterback this year like I was going into 2016. The year that Jalen Hurts was the offensive rookie of the year in the yes. conference and like came out. But he didn't he didn't play, but going into the year, he didn't even start for them, right? Because they had they had that opening game against USC in Dallas. I think he was not, but he took it over in that game. Like the beginning yeah. was really, really rough. Maybe that was a Blake Barnett. I can't remember all the different quarterbacks who've lost their job who lost their job in that like six year run, but he did not start that game, but in that game, he was the one who kick-started what was eventually a 52-3 to final score between two national championship-winning programs. I wonder if they play multiple quarterbacks at times. Like Possibly. Buck, Buckner can run a little bit. Milrow can really run. It's definitely yeah. something to, uh, to keep an eye on. All right, so what about the um, got Alabama at top, LSU, then Texas A&M? Because that's where I, I draw the line. I think that's my. Yeah. That's your top three. And if you want to like be really bullish on Bobby Petrino and Connor Wegman year two, like you know, if you Evan Stewart could, could be an absolute like freak here. I can. I will sit and listen to all of that and not push back. But I do think that that's sort of the defined drop where I'm not going to come out with an Ole Miss um, confidence or an Arkansas confidence or Mississippi State or even Hugh Freeze Auburn to think that. Either one of those four teams are going to be cracking the top three. Okay. One of those four teams that you just mentioned is going to finish last. Mm-hmm. And their fans are going to go nuts because all four fan bases have really high expectations for this year. Okay. Like Mississippi State, I think they have like the most veteran team in the country. If you look at like uh, you know, guys who are seniors or, or super seniors, a, a huge number of returning starters um, that, that know obviously how to play in our Nets defense. We have no idea how the offense will will look. Ole Miss has done a nice job in the transfer portal and Jackson Dart healthier, et cetera. Arkansas, pretty veteran team. They, they feel like they like the job. Hey, wait, wait, wait. You, you're not in on Spencer Sanders or Walker Howard being the starting quarterback there? No, I, I'm, I'm uh, I'll take Dart over the field confidently there. I, I, I mean, it would not shock me if Spencer Sanders transfers out like in, in, in the grad transfer window. So uh, Arkansas, again, like very veteran team. They did have some coordinator changeover. 
And then Auburn did a great job in the transfer portal. And I would expect to be, you know, a strong bounce back team. I, I really struggled with who to who to put last. I mean, I, I have these teams power rated very similarly. They all have pretty similar schedules. I I ended up going Ole Miss last, which feels almost immediately wrong, but I had to turn it in. I, at one point, I had Arkansas. At one point, I had Mississippi State. The only one that I think has really, really low ceiling or really, really low floor potentially is State because the unknown of Arnett as a head coach and the unknown of, of the, the coordinator, right, with th- those pieces on offense. But I think I went – I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember. I went A&M, Arkansas, Auburn. State, Ole Miss, but you could. I really, I, I no, no conviction in that. I and mean, those last four, any order, I agree with you or I disagree with you. Whatever. Yeah. The. Um, Do you have a strong feel like like how you would rank order those last four? I would probably do Mississippi State 7, Auburn 6, and then my Ole Miss-Arkansas debate would get a little bit tricky. I They both have terrific running backs, and I yeah. have not a lot of confidence in what the rest of the offense necessarily is going to look like. The arrival of Pete Golding as defensive coordinator is an interesting uh, wrinkle as one of the great storylines from Ole Miss football last year was uh, first four or five games. How awesome is their defense? And Bud was like, and who is it against? And then the schedule gets tough and all of a sudden the defense starts getting shredded. So you know, I I need to see where the where the rebels are at defensively. I think before I'm you know really feeling confident between uh, an Ole Miss or an Arkansas battling for the four and five. I won't put Auburn last. That's just kind of like I don't know. You'll, he's it, like you say, Hugh Freeze is going to find ways to get somebody wide TF open and like to score enough touchdowns where I think that they might be okay. Um, well, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see who ends up because those you're right, they're all power rated the same. Some somebody's going to lose dumb. Somebody's going to get hurt, and they're going to end up finishing last. So, um, all right. What about in the East, where Georgia in the betting markets is minus six hundred to win the SEC East? I picked. I did go Georgia. Um, now, granted, I would have more picks from Georgia on my All SEC team if Georgia would allow me to pick Carson Beck and Dominic Lovett, and Lovett not being on there. Unless I just messed up the search function, which I'm pretty sure I didn't. If we'll know in about five hours if, if other people are able to find him on there somehow. Pretty sure I looked closely. I, I didn't see him. I had three Georgia offensive linemen on my first uh, on, on my selections: uh, Amarius Mims, Ratledge, and uh, and Van Prawn, Brock Bowers. I didn't have a Georgia back on there, but I, like I don't even know if they put one up to be selected. Uh, they they're very good at receiver. D-line, uh, I considered Nazir Stackhouse. I did go Michael Williams. Mm-hmm. I did go Dumas Johnson at linebacker. Uh, I considered Smal Munden. And then I think I had... Both safeties. You've, I mean, you've got I, to put uh, Starks and Bullard as your first team safeties. Right? Yes, I had Starks and Bullard. The tough cut was, uh, was Lassiter, who I think also deserves mention on that team. I mean, so, yeah, they're basically loaded everywhere um so i went georgia number one i did go tennessee two uh, i don't think it's a two like through seven i i think it's a three through seven okay you do all right so and you think tennessee is clearly ahead all right yeah and some of that is a little bit more of like the team on paper versus the schedule they play like if they do end up right. finishing third in the conference it's because they play Alabama and Georgia and Texas A&M. And, you know, they have to go to Florida where they have lost nine straight in Gainesville and haven't won back-to-back games in the series since 2004. Like, and also they're going to be playing at Kentucky, which if, like it sounds like you are, you're high on Devin Leary and Liam Cohen as the offensive coordinator and them linking up to create a spark. That's just so many difficult games in conference play where I think Tennessee undoubtedly is the second best team in the SEC East. If they finish third, which by the way, I would probably say is the floor. It's just because they've got a ridiculously tough conference schedule. I I would agree with that. The the one thing is um, they they do draw Bama this year. Kentucky does. Um, Now they have to play Tennessee as well because they're they're in division. They are at Georgia though, uh, which I think, 
I think does help. I went Kentucky as my three. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Leary, like all the reports on Leary are very, are very positive as far as like, he's going to be back and healthy and like is, is looking good. Uh, everybody must've got word like from somebody on Kentucky staff that he, that he's green. Like, cause like everybody, like everybody that I think would know speak highly of, of Leary, um, which he was very good for NC state when healthy, uh, despite the just, fact I hated the offense they ran just one season of front no, to true. back health and like in that season it was something like 35 touchdowns to only like six like interceptions three picks. yeah i mean it was yeah it was like stupid low does an incredible job of taking care of the ball delivering on time he's I mean, you've you've scouted him and seen him at camps before he's got zip man it's he can, he can yeah. flick it around so all right you got kentucky they, as they you- think their own lines better like they should be good on defense again um and then i went uh where'd i go i think i went florida Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. South um, Carolina. I mean, there's the South Carolina confidence is high. You know, you finish the is. season with wins. Uh, you know, you put 63 on the board against Tennessee. You beat Clemson. Um, they ended up losing against change in the bowl did, game. Yeah, did, Notre Dame did beat them. Yeah, and that was a, it was a back and forth game. Like it was a really competitive game. I understand why the confidence is there. Um, so the, what's there? But their O-line depth defense. scares me. Mm-hmm. The, the, the O-line depth of South Carolina definitely scares me. They, they lost Jalen Nichols in the spring game. That's their best offensive lineman. They were a very experienced offensive line last year. This year, they don't have hardly any experience at all. And then they lost Nichols in the spring game. So you lose your most experienced and best guy, your left tackle. Uh, and that's just – that's hard. Like, I, there, there are funnels. Lloyd is gone. Uh, you so, know, yeah, I mean, in. like – and I think they're, they'll they'll be coached better on offense. I don't know a lot about Dow Loggins, but I, I I mean just blindly I'm going to endorse him over Satterfield. So uh, you know I, I'm expecting him to be better. I think they're they're good at receiver. Wells is a very good player. I had him on my All SEC team. I like Tonka Hemingway quite a bit on defense, and they were actually pretty banged up on the back end at times last year. Uh, but I I worry a lot about pass rush, man. I mean they they you know you you lose some important guys. You 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 lose Zach Pickens, right? You lose Jordan Birch. You lose green. You lose. Um, oh shoot! The uh, the the guy who went four six, Gilbert Edmond. Like that's a lot of pass rush to lose. I, I worry about South Carolina along the lines of scrimmage. I, I I do. They they lost a whole lot, um, and we'll see how some of the transfers they took look there. And the schedule is uh, is not super easy, but they do get some of the tougher games on the road. Right? Like you go to a And M, you go to Georgia. Those are games where you're, you'd be dogs at home. I think even though they, they beat. AM last year. If AM plays to a ceiling, they would be favored again in uh, in Columbia. So you get some winnable games at home. Like you get Florida, Vanderbilt, Kentucky at home, uh, and Mississippi State at home. So there's probably a floor for South Carolina. But man, that 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 offensive line scares me. The um I might be pushing Missouri down too far just because I'm looking at a quarterback competition between Brady Cook and Jake Garcia. Right? Okay. Yeah. Well, See, see how that works out. I know that we've that scares me too, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm not ready to put Florida seven, but I think I would put Florida six and feel okay with it. And some of that's just like, man, they can't be that bad. You know, like it it right. it boggles the mind to think that that would be the last place team in the SEC East. Uh, and then, you know, Kentucky. Then I just I'm not putting Vanderbilt seventh. Not doing it. No. I'm I'm sorry. Not one day after the general manager of Vanderbilt football came and joined us on the Cover Three podcast, was telling was you know pointing out every, where everything's going. I am biased. That's right. Hashtag yeah. biased media. It's me being too high on Vanderbilt. If I would be shocked if Kentucky finished seventh, I would not be shocked if Missouri, Florida, South Carolina finished seventh. Yeah, one one of those three. Like I think Kentucky's floor. Is probably too high uh, with the defense and some of the playmakers on on the outside. Uh, Napier Napier yesterday was was interesting. Like it, it was some of it was 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 word salad, but some of it was a kind of a quiet confidence about all the veterans that he, that he had brought in. I I do think that Florida feels good about the transfer defensive lineman they took. I think I think they feel like they have some difference makers up front. Jason Marshall's a really good corner. I think they're okay. Okay at linebacker, I guess. Um, the other thing on South Carolina that scares me, I'm not trying to bash on South Carolina here. 
they were just so damn good on special teams last year. And I do think that they have really well-coached special teams. But if you look at Connolly's stuff, he had him as the number one special teams in the country with a bullet. That's not – some of that is repeatable because of coaching. But I don't think that level is something that can be counted on. You know, I mean, Mitch Jeter last year was, what, eight of eight under 40 yards, uh, perfect over 40 yards. That's just – that's a huge, huge deal. And I know he's back, but, like, can you kick that well every time? Their punter was ridiculous last year, Kroger. Like, they have great specialists. I think they'll still have – Oh, it's admittedly hilarious that a former special teams coach hired to be a head coach has the best special teams in the country. And his dad wasn't bad. Uh, oh, yeah, was, was, exactly. Either, and of course, right? you're talking about damn Beamer ball. That's right. I just don't know if you could be number one by that margin again on special mm-hmm. teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the, they had so many game-changing plays from special teams that it kind of feels... Say Flukish. You, you could, Say Flukish. Say it. <laughs> no, uh, no, they're not Flukish. It, it, it's... I don't know. Like, It's like when, when, when Mike Trout's on, on, on pace to hit 85 home runs right mm-hmm. like he's still an awesome hitter he's like you know at, at the time still the best best hitter in the bigs just can it can it sustain that level over the long term i don't by know by the way you know shohei is on pace with uh judge right now yeah do you think we'll get cut ins during college football shohei hitani trying to uh break the al home run record that was just set last year so what if he gets traded to the race our park is terrible for like is not a home run hitters park. You know? Oh, I would not if I was him. I would not do that. That doesn't seem like a Tampa move. Welcome to the baseball corner here. On I the know, Tampa like we, we could we could push all in and go for it. I'm I'm kind of into it. I, I think we should try. All right, Tampa, go get Shohei. That's what uh, Superfan Bud Elliott says. He won't be in your building, but he will gladly support you from the comforts of his home. <laughs> We will be back. God, listen, y'all been asking. I know it was it was a little bit you know, unfair of us to drop that Pac-12 win totals, drop another Pac-12 win totals, let you hear Barton's soothing voice in that sounder, and then all of a sudden, where'd the, pa- where'd the win totals go? Well, guess what? We are back. Next week on Monday, we'll be back with Big 12 win totals. We'll do Big 12 win totals on Wednesday as well. On Thursday, we'll be from ACC football kickoff, being able to give you some of our takeaways from what we've seen from that event. Then we'll continue with ACC win totals the next week. Uh, Then it moves on to the Big 10, the SEC, then our win totals lock. And then, oh my gosh, it will be week zero. So come and join us 11 a.m. Eastern time on Monday. And you can follow him on Twitter at BudElliot3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Bud, thank you very much. Join it.